0: Burrow fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the
1: way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor touchdown. Pass is caught. Digs touchdown. Welcome to OTI Dynasty Reanimators episode four. We are in the process, Sean. We took a few breaks. Uh, kind of a An early hiatus, we've done three episodes. We kind of let it roll under the radar then because we want to make these episodes kind of reflective of what's happening in our league, but also informative to the audience and try and pack as much into each one as we can so they can use them in their leagues to get the most out of their teams and hopefully then go ahead and win those championships. We had a lot of people reach out to say that they had taken over teams, orphan teams, or signed up for teams since we started this. So we took over an orphan team over at the FFPC, picked up a roster you get to pick them out there is ones there that are available we started making our moves then so since we took this team over sean we have made two trades we have one trade right on the table at the moment that we're going to talk about on today's show we're trying to move the pieces one of the things we did talk about in this is not diving in too quick not being just you know desperate i guess to make that trade make sure it's right for the team and i think that's something that was a a mix at the start where I was chomping at the bit to get those trades done, but I think we've done it in the uh, appropriate manner here as we're practicing what we preach, or certainly what Sean preaches as we go through this so far. So just a reminder of people listening in to the team that we currently have. It is, and and there'll be some spoilers when I mention this team because of some of the trades we do, and there might be some cheers from the audiences. They hear one of the quarterbacks' names coming up here, but we have Gardner Minshew, we have Tua, we have Sam Howell, we have Matthew Stafford. Damian Harris, Raheem Mostert, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson at running back, and then Justin Jefferson, the star of the team, obviously. Jalen Waddell, Rondell Moore, Curtis Samuel, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Gallup, George Pickens, Jameson Williams, Isaiah Likely, Evan Ingram, and Pat Baramuth. So we have 19 players currently on this roster. We are approaching the cutdown, which, if you're listening to this on Friday, is today has to be cut down to 16 players pre-NFL draft. So there will be three players on this that will have to either be moved are cut from the roster. We'll be talking about that towards the end of this episode. After the draft, you can keep as many of those players as you want. That is something that's going to factor into the trade we're going to talk about in a little bit. And then pre-NFL week one, you have to cut it back down to 20 roster spots. So lots of movement can happen in the offseason, but uh, we're going to talk Sean through these trades before we kick things off. It's been a fun experience to start things off uh, and to, to share it with the overtime community here. But the big trade, Sean, the one that I'm sure people were cheering as they heard Sam Howell's name mentioned. The trade was Kirk Cousins, Brevin Jordan, and the 304 from this year for Sam Howell and Matthew Stafford. People know how much we like Sam Howell, Sean, but people probably also know how lackluster I feel about Kirk Cousins, I guess we'll say. And we talked earlier this week about the importance or maybe the overvaluing of stacking in both redraft and i guess we can put that into dynasty and also in basketball but when we look at it we did have justin jefferson we had kirk cousins but to move get a younger quarterback and also to kind of i think move laterally to, to matthew stafford who probably is closer to the end of his career than than kirk cousins i think was a a move that we both jumped at pretty quickly
2: when the offer came in it was column and that doesn't mean that it's going to end up being a good deal Right, Kirk Cousins has been a mediocre but potentially undervalued reality quarterback over the last handful of seasons. One of the things with Kirk Cousins is that he's gotten to play with these elite wide receivers in terms of Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen for a while. And now obviously as Justin Jefferson, the premier wide receiver in the entire NFL. He's in that great environment now for passing with the new facility there in Minnesota had uh, definitely some shootouts as a result of the quality of the division last season. He has the new head coach in Kevin O'Connell who did a fantastic job, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And then you look at his contract and it doesn't stand out quite as badly now. Due to the acceleration that we've witnessed over the last couple of years and kind of going through the different uh, elements of free agency, the standoff with Lamar Jackson, some of those types of things in 2023. But Kirk Cousins, in relationship to his contract and his ability to be a Super Bowl winning type of quarterback, you know, there's, I think, justifiable room for skepticism, but he's come through as a fantasy QB. He's thrown those passes to Diggs and Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And his scoring has been in the QB1 tier, although obviously at the low end of that. When we look at Cousins and we contrast it with Matthew Stafford, you have a variety of things going on. One of the simplest ways to look at it is just to look at their 2021 seasons when Stafford was healthy and the pieces around him were healthier. And so you have him go out, he obviously wins the Super Bowl, he averages 23.6 points per game in FFPC. Now that's diminished a little bit in specifically the Superflex version of this where the passing value is knocked down slightly. He outscores Kirk Cousins by about a point per game. He established himself as a quarterback who can win a Super Bowl the way that you do that which is by winning a Super Bowl. But then you have all of these concerns where he's got multiple serious injuries head and neck injuries he's got elbow injuries and you have all of the rhetoric coming out about the potential for him to be moved away from the Rams the Rams are an interesting team where they go out and they buy all these players and they've had great success with them we can't overlook that fact they made it to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff who we've been kind of building up and saying I mean Jared Goff is not a superstar but You look at what he did with the Lions last year, and it becomes easier to understand how he made a Super Bowl previously. And you just go back through that season where he's in the Super Bowl and where they have kind of better pieces around him. And you think about that game in the 40s, that shootout with the Kansas City Chiefs. Anytime that you're doing that, you're hanging with Patrick Mahomes. You can play a little bit of quarterback, right? But you move to Matthew Stafford. You have the massive breakout from Cooper Cup. Everything is glorious. They win the Super Bowl, and then everything falls apart. They make the very ill-advised signing for Allen Robinson. You know, Colin, we get things wrong on here all the time. Obviously, frequent listeners do know that. We're not. <laughs> we definitely don't try to hide the fact that we're wrong all the time. Fortunately, we're right in some ways that are important and helpful. We're right from time to time, too. It's kind of what you're looking for. One of the things that we did encourage you to do last year was to avoid Allen Robinson, avoid buying these washed-up players as bounce back candidates. Not everybody is going to take the next step just because they were Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. So last year, a debacle, they obviously would like to get rid of Allen Robinson and they need to bring in some more pieces to go with Cooper Cup, who hopefully was going to come back healthy. He's someone that we talked about in our recent. Underdog show. And you look at that situation there, you look at all these rumors where maybe they wanted to get rid of Matthew Stafford. I mean, they ditched Jared Goff. Now they want to ditch Matthew Stafford. They obviously have the situation where they traded a bunch of their picks through the years. You're going to have salary cap issues as well. At some point, you got to kind of live with (laughs) the guys that you've brought in. And now that they haven't been able to make that move, perhaps pawn him off on the New York Jets. They claim that he's healthy. They claim that he is going to be the starter. If that's the case, there's no question about the gap in arm talent between Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins. The questions will be those other things, how he stays healthy, how he moves through these seasons. Now, one of the reasons that we wanted to move Kirk Cousins, and we were definitely open to trade offers if we got them, was that at any point in time, that his contract actually allows them to move on. And they have another option. That's one of the things that you're looking at right now. Even with a team like the Annapolis Colts, they've kind of been outmaneuvered. So they have the third pick as opposed to, they have the fourth pick as opposed to one of the top two. And there are two big time stars or apparently two big time stars in this draft. But even the Colts, they're looking at probably a project type of player along with Gardner Minshew, who happens to be another one of the guys On our roster. So, Colin, that kind of brings us back to this question of Staffy versus Cousins straight up. I don't have a big gap there, although we do have to be aware of the fact that there is some risk. And there's some risk in our star QB in Tua. Obviously, there's risk in the secondary QB that we bring in in Sam Howell. So now we have three QBs with a lot of risk to them. But the fact that we have three of them does help us out gives us a little bit of a backstop that we didn't have when we only had the two.
1: Yeah, it certainly does. And while you were talking, Sean, I made the comment about Matthew Stafford and his career potentially going to be shorter in the long term than Kirk Cousins. I looked up then. There's pretty much six months of an age gap between the two guys. So those injuries have really kind of added to the the feeling of the age, I guess, of Matthew Stafford. The other part is with Kirk Cousins early in his career in Washington not being on the field, I guess. It seems like they've been in the NFL for much different lengths of time. But we have Matthew Stafford, Sean. And I think, you know, last year he was just never healthy. The concern is, is that a long-term issue? Is that going to continue for the rest of his career? Or is that something that he will be healthy for moving forward? And if he is, and if he's there with Cooper Cup tied with him, Sean McVeigh is the, you know, the the guy calling the plays. I think that I I think it's at least a, a tie between those two guys, if not an upgrade to stafford and then i think we're moving into having brevin jordan in that 304 turn into sam howell who again you mentioned we we can be wrong on lots of things we may be wrong on sam howell but i think the upside of a young quarterback coming into a starting position that is a no brainer to me to make that uh, that trade and then what i like to do sometimes sean is to look back and see where those picks came from or where certain players came from to make certain deals the trade we had talked about previously was alexander madison who we traded away we got a, the 304 which was then moved in this trade and a fifth round pick in 2024 so moving that pick on already and sometimes you know getting moving players for picks it just gives you leverage then to make other deals that can it's kind of that snowball effect to get as many of those happening to to build it up over time but I really like what we've done here to get those two quarterbacks it also now freezes up with four quarterbacks in this roster you mentioned Gardner Minshew he's with the the Colts there's potentially that he could be their starter this year he could be somebody that can be moved for whether it's something small he could also be somebody who's <laughs> cut come friday because we have to cut those three players we'll talk about that a little bit later but i'm very pleased sean with uh, the move we have been able to make there outside of it you know going wrong and matthew stafford retiring at the end of the season and sam howell not being good and, and not being able to be the starter this year um, and then having a short NFL career, that would obviously be the, the losing side. But I feel with the the 304 and Brevin Jordan, the, the risk that is built in there is is limited because on the other side with Kirk Cousins, as you mentioned, I do think the Vikings are going to look to move out of his contract when they can. The other part is I do think they may be active potentially in this quarterback market when it comes to the NFL draft. And the other part that you mentioned is I always have thought that Cousins is more product of his wide receivers rather than his wide receivers being a product of him. Because like last season, Sean, I'm sure there's many times in 2023 we'll, we'll be saying that we had uh, Justin Jefferson in the end zone wide open, you know, shaking his head, wondering why he didn't get the ball in that play.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform.
1: Moving on to the trade that is on the table, and that is our 2024 round two pick. So we're looking ahead to next year for this year's 305, 405, and 505. So a case of getting three picks this year, moving, the the, the, obviously the person we're trading with is looking to, to move out of this draft to get that higher round pick next season. I think it's a very interesting trade, Sean. I think it's one that we're definitely considering and there will be an update on a future one of these uh, dynasty reanimator series whether we accept it or whether we pass but it's very very close for me and um, i think it's a, a very fair value overall what's your thoughts i guess on both sides of this trade is, is it something that you would do and i think that obviously your pieces in the past talking about know, trading back being a superpower in startups I think that can work as well when you're looking at acquiring picks in, in season and ahead of the rookie draft so picking up three picks would would it in reverse be something that you would do to give up three picks to move up in 2023 or vice versa for next year trading back with that draft capital would you be looking to move as much as this before we talk about it from our side of things
2: yeah, this is so fascinating, in part because of the format itself. And again, we encourage anybody who wants to be in an active league. One of the great things about these RV Triflex leagues over the FFPC is that they, I mean, they create and they demand activity between and among the managers. So that part of it is fantastic. Because of the different cutdowns, There is an element where you're trying to consolidate your assets into starting caliber players as opposed to having the great depth. And that's what our league mate is trying to do with this trade. And there are some ways that that makes sense and there are some ways it can play off in a huge, huge way. One of the things that Pat Corrine and I did in our startup last season where we're playing in one of the 1250 leagues of the RV Triflex is... To make a variety of moves and to evaluate every individual trade separately with a look to the big picture, but not letting our overarching strategy swamp what might be a good micro opportunity. And so even though we would prefer to always keep our future first round picks and the flexibility that those provide, we had the opportunity to make a move in a trade that included a first round pick and would land us jamar chase and then one of the interesting things since then perhaps we'll have pat on the show soon and can talk about this a little bit but we have turned that into josh allen which again there are moving a variety of moving pieces to that deal it's not just a one for one of chase for allen but being willing to do that meant that we don't have a first round pick in this draft coming up But we still wanted to execute those elements of trading down when possible and getting extra picks. And so we have four second-round picks, two of which actually turned into the 201 and the 202. And right now, the 201 and the 202, at least to me personally, don't look that exciting. One of the reasons they don't look that exciting is that after the first four QBs, there's probably not anything else that's going to be intriguing. Maybe there'll be a, a Brock Purdy in this year's draft but probably is not going to come into play where you know that during the rookie draft process after the top two running backs. And there is a third guy out there. I've written a, a piece on him on the site. You can look for that under three players who could blow up and, and be worth a lot more. There is a third running back. Who's at least vaguely interesting, pretty trendy, but two to three running backs. And then you have the three slash four wide receivers. And then you have a bunch of small dudes, right? Matthew Friedman and I used to always go back and forth in the early days of RotoVez about big running backs and small wide receivers versus the opposite. So Matthew was team big running back, small wide receiver. I was team small running back, big wide receiver. And again, I mean, for each of us, what we're mostly looking for are just the good players, right? So I mean, it's it's a little bit of a bit as opposed to saying, oh, that's exclusively what we want. But I'm looking at guys like Jamal Charles and Chris Johnson and Ray Rice. And more recently, Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler and saying, these are the guys who, number one, until they blow up and and win you something, are undervalued. And then once they do blow up and win you something, everybody knows and they're going to continue to be valuable. The flip side of that is that we have all different types of research over time showing the value of some of these bigger wide receivers. The NFL continues to evolve. I think that's less the case now than it was. Jim had a great article on the site talking about this trade-off between big and small wide receivers and the big wide receivers obviously going to give you a little bit more in terms of touchdowns which are harder to replace than yards max mulitz wrote a great piece on that and he's gone on to great things in the football world since then really cool for him very uh, excited for all of the the roto visitors who go on to do incredible things which i mean there are so many of them the trade-off Small receivers often do better with the yardage, and so if you're looking at PPR, if you're looking at depth, there's no question that the small receivers in this class are going to have an impact. The question is how much and how much relative to what they cost, you know, what do you want to pay? There are also a couple of interesting tight ends. So just as I discussed through that, you can see how we're on the edge of value in the 201-202. We have the NFL draft, and there are going to be a handful of guys who really drop because we find out, okay, well, the NFL is not as excited about these guys as we were. There are going to be some players who rise, either because they were drafted early or because they hit that perfect landing spot, and their 2023 opportunity is going to be significant. So we don't know for sure, but because we targeted a bunch of second-round picks, we were lucky enough to hit a couple that were right at the top, which are I mean, basically the same value as those picks that are 110, 111, 112. So I think that there is a very real way in which going after second round picks a year ahead of time when people are not valuing them as highly, just pretty straightforwardly, right?
1: They're, people are more focused on the here and now than what can I do in you know, 12 months from now or 13 months or 14 months, depending on when those deals are done. People like to uh, get their gratification as soon as possible, usually.
2: <laughs> right. And we like to play that's one of the reasons why we want the picks. Three picks versus one pick. Picks now as opposed to later. We want to play and we want the picks. People are not that dragon sitting in his cave, sitting on the gold with those second round picks the same way now that they will be a year from now. And they could turn into something really valuable. The flip side of that is that if you end up with 210, 211, 212, the value of that pick relative to just having the 305 right now is, is going to be less. So then we look a little bit at our team. And one of the things that you can do is you can overvalue your own chances. Oh, you so, definitely can. <laughs> when you're going after some of these trades and you're trying to think, well, who's going to be most likely to make the moves? Now, we didn't build this team. We're reanimating it to an extent.
1: But it's a good... We just team. wanted to get Sam Howell on the roster and that's our work is done now. Right,
2: our work is done. So it's a good team. We think it'll finish in the top half. It finished up high last season. But we have three quarterbacks who could blow up. You suddenly have zero quarterbacks and your team isn't doing well. And now you would love to have the flexibility to try and get the 101 and the 201 as opposed to the 101 and nothing. So that's the contrast. That's the tension. Colin, as we go through it and discuss... The good and one other and note on that, yeah.
1: John, for the FFPC. You've mentioned this in the past, just in case people are coming in and haven't heard it. When it gets to playoff time, the teams in the bottom six are going into basically a reverse playoff to see who gets the uh one oh one at that particular point and it works in that way rather than the team with the, the worst record. But that also means that if this team finishes in the top six or the you know finishes in fifth place, that pick is definitely not gonna be the one oh one. So When you're looking at your normal league, your team could, you know, fall off and finish with the worst record, or the team could tank. But in this situation, if you can get a team in the top half, I do think that that round two pick next year being in the second half. It doesn't have to be the two eleven, but if it's the two oh six or the two oh seven, I think that then again that strengthens the reasons as we talk in a second for the potential positives for us to do this deal, I think that's something that falls in that favor.
2: Exactly. And The thing that you kind of described there, one of the things as you're you're playing in these leagues, you've already gotten one of these orphans, you're trying to figure out how to reanimate it. If you're making this kind of trade and you're targeting a team that you think could be on the edge and miss and might keep their own first round pick, I mean, that's the thing where some of the teams that they're trading all their picks, they don't even have necessarily that much incentive to pay attention during the toilet bowl portion of it. I'm not saying that they wouldn't. I mean, you are hoping that everybody approaches it with, The right sort of, I wouldn't say integrity, it's not that serious of a thing, but just approaches it properly and and starts a lineup and and all of that. But if you have a team where you think they could finish seventh and you think they're probably going to keep their own first round pick, that would be the perfect team to target with their second round pick because that team now has the best team going into the consolation bracket. They win the 101 and they win you the 201. So that would be something to to look for there. The flip side of it, as you've alluded to, is simply that these three picks are valuable right now. We can have as many players on our roster during the offseason as we want. I've mentioned, I think, on the show before, definitely in articles about this perpetual reloading in the permanent championship window on the site. The teams that I have with Blair and Monty and Ben all have somewhere between like 13 and 17 total picks 10 to 12 of them which happened to be in the first three rounds and so we're going to have like 10 more players than we can eventually roster and you're thinking well again you need to consolidate so you're not just throwing that value away and there is some truth to that but again with the perpetual reloading you just have so much flexibility To hit on the guys who become trendy to trade more of those picks into the future to keep that machine going. And and part of that too is trying to work in a friendly way with your league mates. And so that people are not just trying to thwart you. They're trying to do deals which are mutually beneficial as opposed to just stopping you. But you look at that, and we now have only one pick in each of the first seven rounds. If we added these three selections, we'd have three more picks in a range, which is interesting. And a lot of listeners are going to be like, well, I can see how the 305 is interesting. How are the 405 and the 505 interesting? You want to think about the different elements we have going on here. First, because of the super flex, the QBs are pushing guys down. Second, because of the tight end premium, there is going to be some value to stockpiling the second wave of tight ends. Third, because of the roster cutdowns, you're going to have veterans going back into the pool and some of those veterans are actually worth more than the rookies in that range and then fourth and this is sort of a, a parallel element as opposed to a number 4 is that you can then move these picks into the future if the right guy for you isn't there so when you're looking at that 305 with the dynamics i just mentioned you can probably move the 305 for a 2024 second round pick When you're on the clock in the draft. And so then you would have the second round pick. Plus you'd have these additional fourth and fifth round picks. And And, you would have... In an
1: absolute worst case scenario, you would be able to move it for a third round pick next year. At at worst case. Right. Right. Hopefully a second, but, you know, at, at worst, I think you're going to be able to move it for a future third.
2: And anytime that you have picks... You have flexibility. So if we're there at the 305 and really what we want is a player who normally goes around the 310 or we have a couple of targets of the 309, 310 range. And again, once you get into the mid third round, the guys could go anywhere. (laughs) So you could trade out of the 305 and have your player selected. That happens uh, with at least a little bit of frequency. Well, you make that move and maybe that move is for a 2024 fourth just to move down five spots because the other manager is seeing a player at the 305 that they have rated as like the 206 so like this is a second round pick for me this is an impact player i'm going to move up you get that future fourth you move down and then perhaps you move down again and then perhaps you move out with the 402 into a 2024 third you can only do that if you have the picks in the first place if you're sitting there and don't have picks then you have to be the person who overpays. And so, even though there are ways for this to backfire, when you have the picks, you have the flexibility, and when you have the picks, like you mentioned, you have the fun. And we're doing this for fun, right? I mean, the the stakes involved are not such that we want to overlook that entertainment element. So, I mean, Colin will probably take this trade. Is that the direction you're leaning?
1: Yeah, I think so. And like, for example, A middle case scenario here is that we trade our 2024 second round pick we get here the 303 the 40 sorry the four the 305 the 405 and the 505 if we're on the clock and we don't want something for that 305 or somebody else wants to move up we could potentially in the scenario that you mentioned end up with the 2024 second round pick which if our team does well and the team we get it from potentially could mean that you know if they do bad we could be moving up the draft technically but replacing our pick and basically adding in the 405 and the 505 at that point so you're you're gaining two picks for potentially moving up in next year's draft if that was the scenario that played out but uh, i i think that i'm i'm very much leaning towards it the other element is we touched on it a little bit when you were answering your question but with say the 303 and the 405 i keep saying the 303 i love saying the three even though i i don't pronounce it correctly but uh 305 and the 405 giving us that extra draft capital to go with our other picks in that range so we have the 211 the 311 the 411 along with our 111 first round pick and then the picks after that but there's a potential for us also to move up by combining those picks if there was a specific player at a you know a tier gap or that that we liked or we wanted to get or one of those veterans sean that maybe we wanted to target as let's say a zero rb candidate um to get them on our roster as well so i'm very much leaning towards taking this deal so we'll uh we'll communicate fully after we finish the show but it feels like one that we might do the last thing then to touch on today's show, Sean, is the cut down. We have to remove three players uh, before, as listeners listen to this, we're recording this before Friday, but before uh, the cutdown is official. Looking through the roster, there's a number of players that may fit that mold. There is Michael Gallup in there. There's Curtis Samuel in there. I, I mentioned to you before the show, Isaiah likely is a potential option, or then you could even look at a Gardner Minshew. I think all of those guys probably have, trade value at this particular moment in time so we'll be doing some shopping over the the coming days to try and move those guys if no trades can be made who would your most likely cut scenarios be here
2: in my rankings there would be a tier break between the rest of the players and that group that is Curtis Samuel Michael Gallup and Gardner Minshew but all three of those players are interesting I think they probably are tradable in a different league in this format a couple of days ago. I traded Curtis Samuel to move up from the fourth round to the third round in 2024. And that's kind of the thing I would be looking at here. When you ask for too much from anyone, but especially as you're heading into a cut down like this, people are gonna be very skeptical. I mean, I've seen people put price tags on likely that are very high. I don't think that you're going to get that too often. It doesn't hurt to throw it out there necessarily, especially if it's just a a message board post posting, we would take this value for this player. But if you want to move players like Gallup, Samuel, arguably Minshew, you're looking to do it, not to necessarily even get a full pick because players want to maintain, again, that flexibility of having a selection, having a guy. If you can just move up a little bit in a future draft, maybe say, again, from a fourth round to a third round, or even from a fifth round to a fourth round, from a sixth round to a fourth round, something like that, people understand that you're not asking for the world. You're asking to move up in a range where perhaps it won't make any difference whatsoever. And so those trades are going to be looked at as more or less fair offers. On the other hand, when we're thinking about these guys, I mean, Curtis Hamill is still in that high contract, peak age peak athleticism type of profile to where if you had an injury to Terry McLaurin or to Jahan Dotson and you have
1: the there's really nothing else in, in Washington I was a lot you know we, we talked about Dotson and a recent show and then I was looking up some more stuff on him after and it, it pretty much is those three guys and if you want to say Logan Thomas anymore but Sean R one of our past favorites and Dayami Brown is the the next receiving option
2: there in Washington yeah, so I mean, it's it's that three-player group, and you think about Eric Bieniemy coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs. So much of what the Chiefs do, obviously, is going to be attributed to Andy Reid, but he's immersed in that. He knows how that works. It didn't work well for Matt Nagy going to the Chicago Bears and trying to bring those elements. But Sam Howell, if he's able to do some of the things that we're hoping, if they not even open this offense up, but are creative with it, I mean, Curtis Samuel is the perfect player to do a lot of the things that a chief style offense wants to do. Curtis Samuel is a much better player than a McColl Hardman, for example. So Biennemi is going to go there and he's going to get a much better gadget option than what he had with the Kansas City Chiefs. So Samuel, somebody I think that you should try and keep on your roster in situations where you can, he's an interesting late round guy in underdog column. I was looking at it and I believe that Michael Gallup, another one of the players that we're looking at here was drafted in the 15th round of our underdog draft that we did earlier this week. I mean, these are players who are going in drafts and you look at Gardner Minshew and think about what he did with Jacksonville. You think about how much, they appear to like him with the Eagles. And even though they lost the game, how explosive they were in that game when he was filling in, going up against the Dallas Cowboys. If the Colts draft a pure project, then she could be the guy for 2023. And we would have cut a QB and a QB who's going to score. Those players are. We got to get on the phone,
1: Sean. We got to get our GM hats on and get these, uh, negotiations happening here the other thing we can do is you know i think that one of the ones you mentioned is moving picks and and kind of moving up different ranges and i think that's probably the 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 best way for both teams as you mentioned being fair to both sides but yeah we need to get we need to get those negotiations happening over the next uh, 48 hours they will hopefully have been completed by the time people are listening to this but yeah, i hope uh, everyone's enjoyed listening and lots of interesting conversation as we head towards those rookie drafts i'm sure people often think about future picks, current picks, and Sean mentioned it on the show. People always devalue future picks because it is more fun to, to have the picks now, but it also uh, can be very, very beneficial to have those extra future picks when you enter next season, both for maneuvering in-season and also for those future drafts. But that is another episode in the books of the Dynasty Reanimator series. We'll keep you up to date as the team progresses here as our thoughts come in and there will be times where there's gaps it usually will be our third show of the week on the weeks where it makes sense if there's nothing happening in it but there'll be lots happening over the the coming weeks with the nfl draft and our cutdowns and so on so looking forward to sharing that with you all as always thank you for checking out today's podcast if you are wanting to sign up over at rotaviz.com and you haven't done so already you can use the code rbradio 2023 at checkout to help save you 10% off a Rotoviz of nfl pass get you access to all of the tools and content up on the website my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter add over to martin my co-host as always is sean siegel check out his work up on rotaviz.com. and until we are back have a good one